one of the relatively popular actors in the recent years. Her name is Ellen Page. And maybe you don't know her by name, but you know her from the movie she's been in. She was in Juno, that was kind of like her breakout movie. And also as well, she starred in Inception with Leonardo DiCaprio, and she was the co-dreamer with him. And then finally, she was also recently in X-Men as well. But throughout her acting career, she found that she had this deep pain of depression, and anxiety, and panic attacks. And she wasn't sure exactly what it was, but she eventually determined that she felt like she was a boy trapped in a woman's body. And so on March 16th, 2021, on the cover of Time magazine, just this week, she's not known anymore as Ellen Page, but as Elliot Page. You know, I know someone who's personally transitioned into uh, the person of the other sex. And maybe you know people in your own life who are experiencing this in their lives as well. And today, what I do what I want to do is I just want to talk about this in a way that is charitable, but it's also truthful. Because we know that these people who experience gender dysphoria are in a lot of pain. And this is not to cast judgment upon them, but we want to get them the help that they need. But our culture will present an alternate path. But our church in Jesus Christ presents the way of true compassion. And so today I want to go through how did we get here and where is Jesus leading us? What does he teach us about ourselves? You know, two weeks ago I talked about Friedrich Nietzsche. This week we'll talk about Jean-Paul Sartre, who was a French philosopher in the 20th century. And he came up with the philosophy known as existentialism. Now before existentialism, before Jean-Paul Sartre, we had the idea, and the church believes this, that your identity guides your freedom. Your identity guides your freedom. And what we mean by that is that there's an idea of what it means to be human. And, we, and when we live according to that ideal, we find true human flourishing. In a way, we're kind of like Lego. You know, you got the instructions, and you got the pieces, and then you put the pieces together, and then you follow the ideal, and then you got your design. But Jean-Paul Sartre didn't like this idea because he felt that it was restrictive. He felt that he wasn't truly free. And so what he did was he flipped that principle around. He said, no, it's not my identity that guides my freedom. It's my freedom that guides my identity. And this is a radical shift. Because he said, in a way, it's like he's saying, we're not like Lego, we're like Plato. We become whatever we want. I, I determine who I am. And in a sense, we do have freedom. But we don't have an absolute freedom, which Jean-Paul Sartre is advocating. We don't, because he didn't want to conform to some preconceived idea. And what has happened is that in our culture today, we are seeing the full fruit of that. If you go on YouTube, there's a video of a man, he's a five foot nine man, um, and he's going around university campuses, and he's asking these university students these different questions. And so he goes up to this university student, and he asks them, well, what if I told you I was a woman? 
And, you know, they were like, oh, taken aback a little bit, but, you know, they said, you know, nice to meet you, and were very accepting and very polite of him, which is good. But then he said, well, what if I told you I was Chinese? And then they were more taken aback, because he's obviously not Chinese. And they're like, well, you know, if, you, if that's what you feel inside, then, then sure, you're Chinese. Well, and they said, well, what if I told you I was six foot five? And then they're really like, well, you know, you can't really do that, but, you know, but if you really feel like that inside, then that's who you are. And that's what a lot of people were saying. And then at the end of the video, he says, it shouldn't be hard to tell a five foot nine white guy that he's not a six foot five Chinese woman. It should be. But why is it so hard in our culture today? Because my freedom determines my identity. I become what I choose to be. And trust me, it doesn't matter how hard I think I'm six foot five, I'm never gonna dunk. <laughs> but you see, this becomes problematic when we apply this type of thinking to people who experience gender dysphoria. See, because our culture says that your feelings determine your identity. It's the same thing as saying your freedom determines your identity. And what happens is that if you go to a gender specialist, if your child who is young experienced, feels like they're a different sex, then they will say that, well, you should begin social transitioning, changing your name and your clothes. Then we gotta put you on puberty blockers at the age of nine to prevent you from going through puberty. Then at the age of 14, we'll give you cross-sex hormones. And at the age of 18, you can go through the surgery. And a lot of people are doing this not, they, they, they want to do it because they're trying to do it out of compassion. But is this the true path of compassion? Because what I believe is happening is that we have a crisis in anthropology, as St. John Paul II says, that we've forgotten what it means to be human. And so in the gospel today, Jesus is inviting us to see and understand our deepest identity. You see, Jesus reminds us of who we are. One of my favorite lines from St. John Paul II, he says that Christ, by the revelation of the mystery of the Father and of his love, reveals man to himself and makes his supreme calling clear. And so Jesus reveals to us who we are and where we're going. And so in the gospel today, Jesus is interpreting for us his passion, his cross. Because if we just look at the cross, it's not self-evident what he is doing. But today in the gospel, he says, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains a single grain. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. So what Jesus is saying that even though it appears like I am dying, and I am dying, I'm giving my life as a gift so that it will bear the abundant fruit of eternal life. And then what he's doing is he's inviting us to enter into that same mystery. And so that's why he says, the person who loves their life loses it. And the person who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. And Jesus isn't saying to us that we should hate our lives literally. You see, the word hate in Jewish idiom 
means something very different. You know, we heard before that Jesus says, you should hate your mother and your father. What he's saying is that we should detach ourselves from our mother and our father and put him first. And so in the same way, when he says we should hate our lives, he's saying we should detach our preoccupation with our lives from ourselves. And then what he's saying is that just as the seed is meant to be planted, so the human person is meant to be given away. We are called not to hold on to ourselves, but to give it away. And that is the deepest meaning and our deepest identity of who we are. We are a gift. We are called to be a gift. And this is imprinted into our very being, even as male and female. Right? The man's body does not make sense by himself. And the woman's body does not make sense by herself. But together, they find their deepest meaning, that they're complementary to one another. And God has written that in our body to remind us each and every day that we are a gift. And we're called to be a gift to one another. You know, Christopher West says that when you get out of the shower and you look in the mirror, you should say, Behold, the gift! Because that's what, you're, that's what you are. You are a gift. And so if anyone asks you, what does the church teach about transgenderism? You can say confidently, confidently and lovingly that the body is a gift that is to be discovered and not discarded. The body is a gift to be discovered and not discarded. And when we work from that principle, then we can truly give people the help that they need. You know, there, this is a story from a clinic in Toronto, and there was a young boy, I'll call him Johnny, and he experienced gender dysphoria, and he wanted to identify as a girl. And so they brought him into therapy, and the psychiatrist asked him, well, what is it about being a girl that you find so important? And then he said, moms like girls rather than boys. And then throughout therapy, they, dis they discovered that the mom was a victim of abuse. And what had happened was that subconsciously, she was showing more affection to her daughter than to her son. And her son began to pick this up, and he concluded, wrongly of course, that my mom doesn't love me because I'm a boy, so I have to be a girl in order to be loved. And so now the therapy was not directed at the boy, but the therapy was directed at the mother. And she was finally able to receive the help that she'd been so longing to receive. And after six months, the boy was able to identify as a boy, and the mom was able to show affection to him. And the reason why that works is because the body is a gift that is meant to be discovered and not discarded. But what is our culture promoting, right? Imagine instead, instead of going through psychotherapy and learning that insight, that he went through those four steps of social transitioning, cross-sex hormones, and then eventually surgery, would that have given them the help he desired? Initially, he might have felt better, but if you look at the longitudinal studies over many years, there's still a high rate of suicide and depression. This is what Dr. Paul McHugh at the John Hopkins Center noticed. He was the head psychiatrist, and he was like, well, let's look at the data. 
And you realize that, because they were doing transgender surgery there. And when they looked at the data, they found that this surgery was not ultimately helping the people because it was dealing with the symptom and not the cause. And so, in fact, in 2011, there's a study from Sweden. They followed over 300 people over 30 years. This is one of the longest studies. People who experienced gender dysphoria and had gone through surgery. They found that after 10 years, they still experienced mental difficulties. In fact, the suicide mortality rate for these people were 20-fold higher than their comparable peers. In fact, there's a website called Sex Change Regret of many people documenting how they regret their transition surgery. And why is that happening? Because they've forgotten the truth that the body is a gift that is meant to be discovered and not discarded. And so today, Jesus has come. He's come to die on the cross to show the love of the Father, but so He can reveal us to ourselves and also to point us towards our destiny. Because not only are we called to be a gift to one another, Jesus is reminding us that we are called to be a gift to the God who has made Himself a gift to us. And each Mass reminds us of this supreme calling that we have to be a gift to God who is a gift to us. We hear it, this is my body given up for you. And every time we hear that, we are called to be reminded and to proclaim this message of truth and love to our world that so desperately needs us. The body is a gift that is to be discovered and not discarded.